Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show. Our theme, as always, Christianity and its relationship to politics and pop culture. During this time of the year, as you know, we try to emphasize the pop culture more, lighten things up, enjoy the Christmas season, and what better way to celebrate the gift of Christmas than with the gift of Dana, God's gift to me. He blessed me with her in marriage. And today, I shared the gift because that's just the kind of guy I am. I share with you the gift of her charm, the gift of her warmth, the gift of her radiance. I share it with you, but it's only for an hour, just for an hour. So use the time wisely. Welcome back to our program, sweetheart. Thank you. I never know what you're going to say. You're just always so... Well, if I told you ahead of time before we... I'm not going to talk. I need to start. I don't rehearse driving over here. I, I love the spontaneity thing. I need that to start vetting these intros, but... Um... No, 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 no. We don't want to go there. <laughs> but it is really nice to be here, especially for the season that we're coming up on. And definitely feel like we're going into the Christmas season with more fullness this year. And it just, uh, it's nice to be able to be there. And we thought tonight would be kind of fun to have a focus on Christmas and Christmas memories, traditions, just the things that make the season really wonderful, especially because this year I think we'll be able to really enjoy the season. Unlike last year when they had all those miserable... Well, people ignored a lot of it. They were saying, don't have more than five people in your home, blah, blah, blah. Most people I know just ignored it. Uh, I ignored it. I hope the police aren't (laughs) waiting for me when the show's over. I ignored it. You you know what? You may have ignored it, but it was kind of still in the back of your mind. Well, you were always wondering what's it going to be next? What idiotic regulation is going to be next? Yeah, and fortunately, last year, Christmas was warm. So we were able to have ours out in the patio well, they were and things you, like that because you were supposed patio. to be, yes. And if you're inside, have so, the portions already cut. And I'm going, gee, anything else? Yeah. So so it was different. It was a little bit of a, a change. But this time, as we come into this Christmas, we're really looking forward to uh, just celebrating. And, honoring, and there's a lot of Christmas that is already happening here in San Diego. For today, I think it'd be fun to go back and talk about memories or traditions of of Christmas. And for me, Christmas was really magical. And I grew up in the San Bernardino Mountains where Forest Home is. Wait a minute. You didn't grow up in a log cabin in the state of Kentucky? Oh, wait. wait. I always confuse your testimony with Abraham Lincoln's. I'm sorry, honey. No, not even close. I did grow up in the mountains in a cabin. It was a log cabin. Oh, well, there you go. Well, that's like Lincoln. (laughs) With a stone fireplace. (laughs) And it had a two-room schoolhouse. That's oh where I gosh. went to school that for elementary. Like back to the Puritan days. It was, and what was fun about that where we had a first through third grade class, and then we had a fourth through sixth grade class. And for any other grades, you had to get on a bus and go. There's a 45-minute drive down the mountain on a bus. Uh, to go to a junior high or high school. So we went, I was in a two-room schoolhouse. The other kind of trippy thing about that was the upper grade teacher for fourth, fifth, and sixth grade was my very own mother 
So my mom taught me during the day, and then she was my teacher at school. And then now you've told home. me this, but tell our audience, <laughs> what was it like when your mother and your teacher were the same person? Because I can't imagine that would be real fun. And I love well, your mom. Your mom's great, but I can't imagine for any kid that that would be a whole lot of fun. Well, my mom actually handled it in a really unique way that I'm not sure most people would have thought of. But my mom kept the lines very clear. And when we were at school, she was my teacher. And when we were at home, she was my mom. So if I was at school and, uh, you know, say we're after school, I'm just hanging around. And I'd say, so what, you know, what are we having for dinner tonight? She'd say, I don't know. You'll have to go home and ask your mom. Oh, that's interesting. So she really did she keep the line. If all. I was at home and I needed help on an assignment and I had forgotten the assignment or something that was my responsibility that I should have known, my mom would not tell me what it was. Even if she, even though she knew, she would say, well, I don't know. You, you're you going to have to ask your teacher tomorrow. So she, by doing that, she built the structure for me that I couldn't be relaxed at school and go, oh, well, I'll just ask my mom when I get home. I don't have to listen. Or she didn't cross the lines at school where I would have more private conversations with her or have more personal information. And that was actually really, it did define things. I think it also helped other kids too, because they saw us really as teacher student so, at so school. So she, and as far as discipline or correcting you, obviously there were no special favors that you were oh, her kids. No, actually I feel like I got a little harsher. Right. Well, now, well, now <laughs> Because this, she was okay. trying to prove but she But if was... she went a little harsher to try to prove something, then ironically, she wouldn't have really been treating you the same way she treated right. the yeah. others. Yeah. Even though she may have been But trying. as far as I didn't get away with anything, now, I mean, I was held Did you ever go home and she'd continue standards. it and she'd say, no, let me talk to you as your mother about what you did in there class. There was one. This was one mother that didn't need a note from the teacher because she already had the note in her head. There was one main incident that was, I still am embarrassed to even share that this happened, but we had this lunch lady that everybody adored. We loved her. And remember, there's only two rooms to this schoolhouse. So there was like three picnic tables out in front of the school and we'd all sit on them. And we had lunch ladies that would come, and which meant another mom in the canyon would come and supervise us at lunch. So my mom and the other primary teacher could have their lunch break and get ready for the afternoon instruction. And so we had this one we adored and loved for years and years and years. And for whatever reason, it changed. I don't know why. And they brought in another mom. Well, this mom was lowering the boom on us and we just kind of got into that mob mentality of rebelling. And, and so we were, it's terrible. I can't believe I'm sharing this. We were banging on the picnic tables, yelling, Did your mom listening to this? Did you that, tell her to listen to this? No, I didn't tell my mom Why to listen. Not? It's good she she's not have, listening. She no. might have been one of our callers with her own <laughs> version of this story. No, but the whole reason I was telling this was, because we did kind of create this little riot at lunch in protest of this lunch new lunch mom that was not as friendly well, with ladies us. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to somebody who went on to become both a school teacher and a principal. And now she's telling she's stories terrible. of little riots she was arranging when she was a kid. Well, the part that was difficult was not only did we get seriously taken care of by my mom as a class group. I mean, we she brought us in and just let us have it. My mom was very good at that. We were absolutely 
chastised for what we had done at lunch. But then I got home and it started all over again. Now is my mom. So sometimes it really did come down double on me, but that was the worst one. I really can't believe I shared that. What was your dad's role in all this? Did he ever talk to you about something she shared that you did in school or did she leave him out of it or how did that uh, work? Well, he would come to the parent conference and act like it wasn't his wife talking to him. But... <laughs> <laughs> so nice to meet you. I'm Don LeClamp. Nice yeah, they to would meet have you, fun Sheila. So he, and then they... Sheila says, that's a wonderful daughter you have there, Don, but there's a few <laughs> things we need to work on. They actually would conduct, my mom, again, she was holding that real clear line on, I am the teacher role now. You are the parent. Let me tell you how your, your daughter is doing. So anyway, all of that to share, I grew up in this really unique, wonderful place. One of the great memories I have for Christmas in this situation was there was one family up the hill and this mom in this family, she was our substitute teacher. Whenever my mom was sick, which was hardly ever, hardly ever was she absent or the primary teacher had to be absent for whatever reason, this mom in the Canyon uh, who had a credential would come in and be our teacher for the day. We loved her. She was amazing. And it became a tradition every year she would bake a Christmas wreath for each of the teachers as a gift to their families to thank them and so on. So every year we could hardly wait to get Mrs. Bell's Christmas wreath. And I know that probably doesn't sound like that big of a deal, but it was one of those really amazing like yeast bread, cinnamon. Her name was Belle. Like her name Bell, was Mrs. Ring. Bell. That's a good yes. Christmas name. Yes, That's it was Christmas Mrs. Name. Bell. And she would make this Christmas. With her friends, Mrs. Tree and Mrs. Ornament. I'm mm. sure they, they made up a great no. chorus there. But it takes a long time to make these. It takes you all day because it is a yeast dough that has to rise two times. It's got cinnamon and sugar and nuts and maraschino cherries. It's just this and it's made in the shape of a wreath and it bakes up and it's, it's, a spe- it's beautiful to look at and it tastes even even better. Well, and you've served so, them since I've known you. You used yes. to have them. When I first came to your house for Christmas before we were married, you they made one of those. Yep. They, they were very good. It is very good. So Mrs. Bell started this tradition for my family of giving us a Christmas wreath that we would have for Christmas morning. And uh, it was just an amazing thing. So that was one of the benefits of this two-room schoolhouse was the family, the parent community was so grateful to the two teachers. And uh, so they got some pretty spectacular gifts and, and we got the benefit of that. And then as I got older, I did find that recipe. And so started making it for my family and that was our Christmas morning treat. So it is fun. So uh, other traditions that we had, and I think for me as a child, we, I was in a family where my mom and dad taught us that Santa was the real deal. I mean, I absolutely believed in Santa, no doubt. And so I, and and I loved it. I loved enjoying that, the magicalness of that. And so I was, gosh, I think it was about third grade when my parents decided that I was old enough to be told about Santa. I was so disappointed. I truly believe there was a Santa hook, line, and sinker went for the whole thing. And when my parents told me that there was no Santa, I was really sad. I just thought, oh, this is this is just so. How breaking. did they do it? How did they sit you down? How did they preface it? I'm really they curious sat to me hear down how and they, they did this. and I think they thought it was a really neat thing they were telling me because they were now going to let me help them be Santa for my brother. So that was kind of the bone they threw me was, but you're lucky because you're older and you're going to get to help do Santa Claus for Guy. And I, 
I just didn't think that was enough of a perk. And I do remember, I love to sleep. Sleep is always one of my. So it's like you ruined my illusion, <laughs> but we get to keep it going for my brother. And now I have to keep this going for my brother and he gets to keep going. But I love sleeping. And one of the things Santa did was go to bed. So I would go to bed at my regular kid time. And then my parents would wake me up to go and help with the tangerines and now, how stuff does Santa and the go to bed and... when he's got to visit the whole world with his sleigh? <laughs> well, but see, I already knew, so I knew it was, and that was just sad. It was sad to me that so you mean it the was fake, already the over. fake Santa gets to go to bed, not, yeah, not the real Santa. Yeah, no, I yeah, no, I'm the fake Santa now because right. I'm I'm doing all the tricks for my brother. So that went on for three. He's three years younger than I am, so I was Santa for him for three years, just helping my parents and whatever. I didn't think that was enough of a perk to have ruined the magic, but whatever. So it wasn't a perk so... to say, gee, my dumb brother still <laughs> believes in Santa Claus, but I don't? That wasn't no, a perk for no. you? No, no. So when my brother got, and the biggest thing was that I had to make sure I was still talking like there was a Santa anytime I was around my brother and, and you know, keeping keeping that going for him. Plus, at school, we had to carry that out. My parents told me it was really important to make sure that, you know, you never tell a child if they're saying there's a Santa, you go along with it. Okay, great. So I did that. When my brother got to be third grade and they they sat him down to tell him now I'm sitting there because I already know so I'm sitting there thinking oh man this is going to be so bummed <laughs> so my parents tell my brother and my brother is not a violent person I'm not kidding you he stared at my dad he just looked at my dad and then he punched my dad in the nose <laughs> you're kidding okay now i i know dana's brother very well he's the most gentle peaceful man i've ever met oh my goodness wow well he because he felt betrayed well i think you're just sad it's disappointing when you find well, out was it that santa disappointed there. that there's no santa and the magic is gone but was there also a disappointment in the parents for not telling the truth was that no part I, of don't, it? I don't think I don't think it goes that deep. I think it's just, gosh. So he might have hit. Up. He might have hit anybody then. If an uncle had been nearby, he I think he was just so subject. disappointed. That was the only thing he could think to do, and just. And there <laughs> is no Santa. There's no elves, so you can't take it out on one of the elves. You got to just no. take it out on whoever's really in the yeah. room. Yeah. So, so he actually did what I think I kind of felt, which was like, "Golly, that's that's terrible." And so, anyway, we that's one of our funny family stories is that my brother punched my dad when we told him there was no Santa. So anyway, so that was our childhood. I think it would be interesting at this point to jump over to your childhood. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about how as a Jewish family who did have Hanukkah, but then also did Christmas. Hmm. Explain okay. that to us. And I do an annual Christmas special, which was already repeated this year, where I go through the history of Christmas. And when we get to more modern traditions, I do talk about some of this, but it certainly fits in at this show, too. Yes, I won't it go, definitely I won't does. go into as much detail as I did in the other show. But as you know, I'm Jewish, but I converted to Christianity in my second year of college. As a little kid, first of all, I loved Christmas time. Now, I didn't believe in it. I wasn't taught anything about Jesus. We would sing carols in school about baby Jesus. I didn't understand what any of that meant. I heard words like son of God and savior. I just didn't understand that. How could God have yeah, a son? That's... And we were an atheistic Jewish family. Judaism's a culture and a race as well as a religion. So we were not really religious Jews. We would celebrate some of the holidays, but it was for tradition. 
We actually did not celebrate Hanukkah until I got into like the third grade. <laughs> and it's really interesting. Wow. It's not because my parents loved Christmas. They wanted to do the Jewish holidays, but they thought that if they told me there was no Santa Claus, then I would go to school and tell all the other kids that there was no Santa Claus and that they're pretty stupid for believing in him. Which, by the way, is just exactly what I would have done. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, they you had, would have. <laughs> they had me pegged. They had me pegged. And they didn't want me telling the other kids that there was no Santa Claus. So they had me believe in Santa Claus. And it was very magical. By the time I was in first grade, I started to get suspicious. By the time I was in second grade, my mom finally sat me down. I guess for me, I more or less knew, was hoping it was still true, but I wasn't terribly surprised. So I didn't punch anybody. Uh, <laughs> but, and I just couldn't wait to find some kids in the second grade. And I remember this poor little girl. And I'm looking back. She was a darling, adorable little girl. And I was, you believe in Santa Claus? Oh, man. Boy, are you dumb. So I guess my parents knew me pretty well. They because, probably should have saved well, it. Well, and, so, and of course, <laughs> I guess they figured that by second grade, kids wouldn't still believe, but some still did. But what are you going to do? Wait till I'm in high school because someone in high school may still believe in Santa Claus. Now, I should say that when I had children, we didn't have a problem with Santa Claus movies. And I've talked on this show before. There was a real St. Nicholas that lived only about 300 years or so after Christ. And he did do some interesting things. And so I don't mind the spirit of a Santa Claus, the idea of it. I certainly don't mind. We didn't mind our kids watching fantasy movies with Santa Claus, but we told them Santa Claus was make-believe. We told them Santa Claus was a game because we didn't want to compare Santa Claus with God. And that's not what parents try to do, but think about it. Think of even the lyrics of the song. He sees you while you're sleeping. He knows yeah, while you're awake. <laughs> he sees everything. And so what, we're going to sit him down someday. Now, everything we said about Santa Claus being real and seeing you, of course, that was a fairy tale. However, when we talked about God really seeing you, that was really true. I tried to imagine sitting a kid down and doing that. Having said that, since you and I are both people that at one time did believe in Santa Claus, I will admit that it made Christmas much more fun. exciting. Yeah. So if you're a parent that has your kid believing in Santa Claus or had your kid believe in Santa Claus, we're not trying to come down hard on you. We're telling you why our parents did it. I'm telling you why I, as a parent, did not do it. Last night, we were at a Christmas carnival at our church, and I was with my grandkids and my daughter and son-in-law. They don't have them believing Santa Claus is a real person. He's making believe, but they didn't mind going and sitting on Santa Claus's lap and talking yeah. to him. He was a really good Santa Claus, too, Santa. Yes, because my granddaughter, Clara, asked for a cat and I could tell by the look on my daughter Elizabeth's face a real live cat Yikes. and Santa Claus goes well that's a family decision and I said boy it's nice to have an honest Santa Claus yeah. so anyway that's the Santa Claus thing for us that is interesting and so did you guys have a tree and everything no 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 oh, no Our, tree no, no. so just Christmas presents there were presents. no Christmas decorations there were Christmas presents no Christmas okay there was no tree they didn't want they tried to make it as unlike a real Christmas as they could. They oh, only okay. salvaged the Santa Claus myth so that I wouldn't cause havoc in school. <laughs> okay. Which so, I did anyway when they finally told me. So were the I'm curious, when you were younger, were the Christmas gifts similar to the Hanukkah gifts and then it just switched and now they were Hanukkah gifts or well, now with Hanukkah, there's eight nights of Hanukkah. And, and you, did you get all I eight? I got a gift oh, you did. every single okay. night. I remember cool. some of my friends saying, boy, you only get eight presents. But as, <laughs> That's as a time lot. went on, I was going, wow, I got eight presents. And yeah. they, were, they were good presents. I don't remember the Hanukkah gifts being inferior to the Christmas gifts. And I enjoyed Hanukkah. 
it was fun to celebrate, and we heard the story, the Hanukkah story. However, as I got older, there was always something about the Christmas time of the year. And I'm talking in all those years before I became a Christian, before I believed in it. I loved the decorations. I loved the carols, the music. There was just something I sensed about that time of the year. And in college, when I became a Christian and had my first Christmas as a college student who believed in Jesus and looked at the lyrics of the Christmas carols and actually understood what they were saying. Yeah, that is incredible. And my family, we've always done Christmas. And one of our traditions was getting to pick one present to open Christmas Eve. And so my brother and I would pick very carefully. We hoped it wasn't going to be you know, the socks or something like that that we would open. (laughs) We were hoping we were picking a toy or something. But in my family, once I had started having my own children, I continued the open one gift on Christmas Eve. And while they were little, I got away with guiding them to the present that was the new Christmas pajamas because I wanted them all in matching pajamas for Christmas okay, morning. Now, for tell pictures. us, sweetheart, were they as excited by that gift as you apparently Actually, were? Actually, when they were younger, they were. They thought it was really fun to all, you know, they'd all get them and go run and put them on. And they did. I can't they did. imagine being excited about pajamas at a gift at any age. Okay, so this is what happened. It started morphing into as my kids got older, they start going, wait a minute, we know what those pajamas are. What that package looks like. So then they started wanting to pick their own presents. So then they would pick the presents. Well, as the mom who was going to take photos the next morning, I still needed them in those Christmas pajamas. So it kind of morphed into they got to pick one and then they also got their pajamas on Christmas Eve. So and I kept up that pajama one. I I thought I would do it forever. But as they all married and got older, uh, that that tradition did not become as beloved by them. I still loved it. I thought it was really fun. But now I let their spouses take care of that. And uh, I I do think it would be fun to do that with grandkids. But Oh, absolutely. Well, we have a caller calling in with a Christmas memory of his own, I believe. Bill, Bill, welcome to the Bob Siegel Show. Thanks so much, Bob. Uh, this is not a uh, childhood memory. In fact, it's adults. Mary Beth and I were both married. We had just returned to our home of origin in Lancaster, Pennsylvania from San Diego with our year and a half old identical twins. And the memory was sitting in my parents' living room, watching the black and white TV with the rabbit ears <laughs> as the Apollo 8 uh, astronauts circled the moon and they looked out the window and we saw the moon in the foreground and the earth rise in the distance and they read the first 10 verses of chapter one of Genesis. We'll never forget it. I had forgotten that they did that around Christmas time. I'm remembering now that you say it, but that was pretty incredible. That is a great, that, that that is is a a great, great memory. memory. And that must have been quite a Christmas for the astronauts too. It, it was indeed. The Bob Siegel Show podcast is a production of Bob Siegel and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com slash bob.